This is a CBC podcast. Who knew that flamingos screamed? <laughs> I didn't. I do. What does it sound like? It, it, <laughs> do it. Can you do a flamingo impression? I can't do a flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Claire Bonnieman, and welcome to The Loop. We launched this podcast at CBC Edmonton in 2020. It was the same week, actually, that COVID-19 launched in Alberta, conveniently enough. Over the last three years, a lot has changed on both fronts. This week's episode is actually the last week of The Loop, but I'm excited to say that CBC Edmonton will continue podcasting. You can keep an eye out in the new year for a whole new show. But in honor of the loop ending, we figured that we'd track the last three and a half years in news stories, guests, and conversations that we had on this show and take a nostalgic look back before we head forward. So if you will, roll back with me to March of 2020 when the COVID pandemic was sending people home and the loop's founding host, Tara McCarthy, checked in with one of our reporters who was making the same move. People's lives look very different right now. Some people working from home, some people not working at all. It's impacted our staff here at CBC Edmonton. Andrea Hunkar is one of our reporters. Hey, Andrea. Hi. Now, you haven't been around the office. This is the first time I've seen you in a little while. We're sitting in a studio right now, but you're actually working from home these days. What's that like? Yeah, I've been home for the last couple of days. Um, It is... Uh, definitely very different because I'm there on my own. So I am not interacting face to face with anybody in the office except you right now. Yeah, Technology has been, uh, it just seems to know that you don't quite know how to do it. And so it acts up yeah, <laughs> every step of the way. So it's figuring all of those little things out and then figuring out how to make it uh, move more smoothly and efficiently. Because the work goes on. We, you know, we still need to be reporting on the stories, uh, talking to sources. And actually, you have been really looking into a significant story this week. It's about uh, nurses and masks. Mm-hmm. What do you what have you been looking at here? Well, we got a tip about a week ago. And I was told that that some community nurses in Edmonton uh, were refusing to swab for COVID-19 because they didn't feel that they had sufficient personal protective equipment. Followed up on uh, that tip with the local union and sure enough, roughly 30 nurses were refusing to do testing at three assessment clinics in Edmonton. So they want something that's called an N95 mask. What is that? Yes, the N95 mask, uh, in comparison to the surgical or the procedural mask, which is what is used in Alberta for testing, it fits more tightly and um, it is meant to protect against airborne illness. Okay, so they feel essentially more safety if they were to wear something tighter fitting to do these tests. Because how is the test conducted? I haven't had a COVID-19 test. What does that look like? It doesn't look comfortable. I haven't had one either, but I hear it's not the greatest thing. You basically get this long Q-tip 
And usually it's inserted into the nostril to collect samples at the back of the throat or nose. And those samples are what's tested for COVID-19. But uh, the nurses union does point out that in most of these cases, the swabbing triggers a sneeze or a cough. And then on top of that, if you have patients coming in who are sick, they're sneezing and coughing. So the feeling is that it puts the nurses at greater risk. It is genuinely hard to imagine a time when N95 masks weren't part of our daily vocabulary. It was really interesting in those early days to try and find conversations around the pandemic that weren't just straight up depressing. There were some bright spots, though, including an Edmonton PhD student baking bread at the end of the world, the whole boom of sourdough in general, and communities that were really taking care of each other. And then there was this highly amusing moment in April of 2020 that we got to have a little fun with on the show. There are some really gross words in the English language. Claire, what's the grossest word, do you think? I mean, I really hate the word moist. It's gross. It, moist, <laughs> I don't like saying it. I think there's something about the mechanics of my mouth, even. Your mouth tries to grapple with the O-I-S, moist. I think. And then, yeah, and then you have to end with a harsh T at the end, and it just turns into this really uncomfortable jaw movement, and then it also doesn't feel good going into your ears. Moist. It stop. <laughs> Sorry. I know. <laughs> well, that word's gotten a lot of place. More specifically, moistly. I think everyone maybe remembers where they were when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said speaking moistly. How do you like how much I'm saying moist right now? I want you to stop. I know. (laughs) But he said it during a press conference last week. He was talking about masks and how, you know, they protect other people, especially if you were speaking moistly on them. This uh, got Edmonton musician Brock Tyler thinking. He goes by Anonymotif online, and he decided since people were getting a huge laugh out of this, that he should make it into a song and a video. It's racked up over 2.5 million views on YouTube. In fact... Our very own Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, tweeted to him, writing, Thanks for the laugh. It's my new hand-washing song. I I just kind of stared at my phone for about 20 minutes, totally shocked. And, uh, you know, I had a few people help me formulate a a reply because you kind of want to think that response out before you send it off. So I had no idea that he would... uh, that he would hear it for sure when I first started putting it together and or that he would reach out if he did hear it. I think everybody got the joke that it was just meant to be this musical moment of what was a naturally very funny moment. And uh, it straddled this, this uh, spectrum between humor, but it also spoke to what we are all facing every day. This thing we're dealing with right now, we're all in our homes, we're all kind of locked down and wondering what to do and looking for common ground and connection and something to laugh about that doesn't betray the reality of what we're experiencing. So it seemed to sort of touch on all those things and uh, I guess that's uh, resonated with people. If people want to wear a mask, that is okay. These are the things, the things we know that prevent you from speaking moistly. One of the most interesting parts of this podcast and the work we tried to do was trying to find the balance. Over the last few years, there have been incredible moments of change in Alberta and around the world. We changed premiers. The world closed and opened again. When we started, Donald Trump was the president of the United States, which honestly feels like a lifetime ago. In our newsroom, too, we have seen many faces come and go, and we lost some colleagues as well. 
I wanted to play a piece of this with our former radioactive host, Adrian Pan. She passed away in 2022, and we miss her very much. She joined us on the podcast in March of 2021, right as the world was starting to resume. And she brought us a moment of joy, sharing the sounds of seniors getting their very first vaccine. It was all very surreal. You know, we've been thinking about this and dreaming about this and imagining about when the vaccine would kind of happen. And then to have it happen sort of that fast, it was quite a quite an emotional experience for me that way. We got into the folk fest mindset of, uh, you know, getting on the phone and the Internet uh, at the first opportunity, 8 o'clock in the morning. And then on the phone, keep hitting redial and on the Internet, just trying to get in. And, I mean, we had so many false uh, starts. You'd think that you were getting through, and then, nope, it would fail. I still think we'll have to take precautions. I I wouldn't be concerned about myself, but I I wouldn't. uh, I would be probably just as careful. Those are the voices of some seniors in the Edmonton area discussing before, during, and after the vaccine, really. Uh, Once it opened up to those 75-plus that they could get their first dose, uh, well, appointments, of course, led to the website crashing, busy phone lines, a lot of people not getting through. Radioactive host Adrian Pan decided to find out a little bit more about seniors' experiences. Hi, Adrian. Hi. You actually, this this hits close to home for you because both your parents were also trying to book vaccine appointments. What was that like for them? Well, <laughs> it was difficult. The book, no one, I think, had an easy time of the booking. On that first day, it seemed like there was just this rush of thousands upon thousands of people who wanted to to get in as early as possible. So yeah, my parents tried both online and over the phone. They tried basically all day. They did get through online, but ended up having to book separate appointments. So my father ended up getting his appointment like quite a few days sooner than my mom, but they were both really happy at the end of the day to actually have something to show for all that work that they put in all day long. Hours and hours of it. Yeah, they said it it was really frustrating and there was like a glitch. They would enter their postal code and then everything would just crash. I heard about that and then it would just totally shut down. Yeah. What was that like for you to hear by the end of the day that they both had appointments? Oh, it was so great. I had actually been texting with them all day going, how's it going? Have you gotten through yet? Like, what are you experiencing? And yeah, so they kind of gave me the play-by-play all day long and I was so frustrated for them but they're like don't worry about it we'll we'll get it done and then yeah when my mom said oh we finally did it nothing but happiness for the both of them I felt really relieved actually that they were on the way to to being protected yeah it was huge talk that day when when the website opened up the phone lines opened up you decided to talk to some more seniors to see what kind of experience they had where did you even start because you know when you when you think okay I want to talk to some seniors where'd you go to even track some people down I tapped into the best resource that I think I know about, and yeah. it's really our colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone here is so connected. And so I put out a call on our just general email here at the station and said, hey, does anybody know a senior who's getting the jab, got the jab or whatever, and would want to talk about the experience? And I had so many colleagues reply me saying, hey, I might know someone And then one of the uh, seniors, his name is Philip Rayworth, I actually found through Twitter, which is also a really really good journalist resource, it turns out, these days. It was really great. That is great. Mm -hmm. As you started to talk to all these different seniors, what was kind of a commonality with their whole booking experience? All terrible. (laughs) 
One of my favorite elements of the show has been bringing in reporters to studio to unpack some of their work. Because there's a lot that goes into the reporting that you see online or what you hear on the radio or TV. And the way we report and that behind the scenes can really build out the story and shed some light on the community behind it. Liam Harrop joined us in September of 2021 with a group of people that were raising awareness for Canada's Indian residential school survivors and the unmarked graves being found across the country. That's a story that started years before, but in 2021, it really grew to a level that a lot of settler Canadians had never seen before. This particular group spent 50 days outside of the former Camsell Hospital in front of a graveyard on Enoch Land. Liam spent some time just off Winterburn Road and brought us that story. Their, their hope is to raise awareness about residential schools and unmarked graves. Um, and they, they do actually have a Facebook group. It's called Free Our Indigenous Children. And uh, one of the posts recently, it was just this last week, actually, um, where they said there was uh, a lady who came from Wabasca to, to this spot. And she shared a story that when she was two, her older brother caught pneumonia and was taken to hospital and he never returned. And they never heard where he was buried or where he went. And it was only recently um, that she learned it was actually in that grave on Winterburn Road on Enoch Land where his body was taken. And that was 60 years ago. So it took her 60 years to find out where her, her, her brother. Wow. Yeah. It's ended a powerful up. gathering. It is. And so uh, I think they're having a lot of people come by and share these stories, mm-hmm. not only to learn more ab- about residential schools and unmarked graves, but also to share their own personal experiences. So I think they're getting a lot of people coming by and sharing their own personal stories about what has happened in their past and to get people just to listen. I stand in the east and I give an offering. What we're doing is we're parting the veil and we're offering a feast to the children that they didn't get good things in life. Sometimes for breakfast they had porridge and it was mixed with sawdust. So having a feast like this with vitamins and nutrients, we're giving them what they didn't have as children in residential school, and we're honoring them now. Firekeeper Lindsay Bredner pours leftover food onto a fire outside a teepee. It's part of a graveyard feast honoring their ancestors. It'll get really ragey, and you'll hear it. A group of indigenous people sit outside a teepee on Winterburn Road. They are on Enoch Cree Nation land. Behind them is a graveyard with several headstones. They recently moved to this location from outside the former Charles Camsell Indian Hospital. Andrea Jenkins is one of the group's organizers. And I remember when I was younger, you know, as young as five years old, listening to my grandparents talk about these things that had gone on at the hospital. The sexual abuse that was done on children, people who don't know say, oh, no way that didn't happen. There's way too many people who have similar stories for it not to be true. And so we just thought it was important that, you know, it, something that was originally going to be one day ended up being 50 days at Charles Council um, to bring that awareness. And once the 50 days was, were done, we took a week off and we thought, you know what, I think we need to keep going. 2022 held another big year in news. It was in February that we saw the invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces. Edmonton has a huge Ukrainian community, and in the almost two years since, we've seen a really big push for support. 
I got to spend time with some Ukrainian refugees who had just landed in Canada and come out of quarantine. And one of them really stuck with me. I met him through Slava Francis, who'd organized a GoFundMe to bring over her family from Kyiv, where she grew up before moving to Edmonton in the 90s. Her cousin Ilya Kortin was just 17 years old and left his mom and dad, as well as his cat, Lucy, back in Kyiv. And together, we actually just spent some time going through his phone and the images he captured. Like, I looked through all my photos in gallery through the 24, from the 24th of February, and mm. there are more photos than in 2021. Wow. Uh, the first hours of when the war started, we was taping our windows with duct tape. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to find this. Yes. This is how windows look like in my room. <laughs> I'm Elia Kurtin from Kyiv. Uh, now I'm in Canada. I'm 17 years old. That last day before you left Ukraine, what was that like? It was really fast decision to start our journey to border of Poland and then to Canada. There was a lot of unknown variables to discover and it was hard for me to decide all these things. We needed to go to the Poland border. We used train, hopefully, when we was starting our journey. We thought that we could uh, have a train just straightly to Poland, but there was <laughs> uh, some problems. So we arrived to some city on the border, then to another city. We slept with our families that located on the West Ukraine and then we finally crossed the border on our foot. It was, of course, hard, but, uh, you know, when I crossed the Poland border, I was feeling safe yeah. already. Now, I mean, it was it was a rush, right? What were you able to bring from home here? Almost nothing. The most heavy thing in my backpack uh, was my laptop, <laughs> uh, mm, some documents. It all, yeah, I have not a lot of things. I left almost all my life in Kyiv. My parents wish very badly about Canadian education, so all uh, what I'm doing now is like going around education and starting new life here. Maybe like the university next, because I was ending like the last class in Ukraine. So tell me about the hockey game that you got to go to. Yeah, I think it's like one of the most Canadian things that I could done. And there was like a little snow in that day. I never was visiting any of sport competition. In fact, I'm not interested in any sport like it was my first time. It was interesting experience about everything was loud, people were screaming. <laughs> and uh, yeah. You've now just come out of a situation that everyone is watching unfold, what's happening in Ukraine. What do you want people to know about what's going on back home for you? It's very hard to understand how it's to live in war time without being there. Uh, it's like while I was in Kyiv, uh, like the war time I was in Kyiv was 10 days, like from 21st February. Um, like the war scene experienced was like the building that blowed like in couple of like 30, 100 meters like from my house. And everyone was thought that Kyiv will be captured in a couple of days because it's the capital. So a lot of people escaped from Kyiv to their villages, cities, and other and countries. 
It is interesting. I I think now I'm from all of them. I'm like the farthest from Kiev. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Does that feel weird? It's not weird. It's hard because of education at night. Uh, like <laughs> I'm still trying to learn something from my Ukrainian classes, and <laughs> it's hard to study at 4 a.m. We've also had the chance to cover some really big stuff like the biggest mall. In January of 2023, we got to sit down with Edmonton legend Matthew Duchek, who runs the website Best Edmonton Mall. And we went deep on the WEM lore, as well as Heritage Mall and others across the city. But as someone who moved to Edmonton as an adult, the stories about West Ed really blew my mind. And there are so many stories hiding in every phase of that place. This was actually a really fun episode because everyone in our newsroom seems to have a connection to West Ed, including our producer, Leslie Goldstone. I have <laughs> mixed, deep feelings about them all. <laughs> well, because you, you worked there. You didn't just go there as a shopper, but you worked there for how long? A long time. Oh, probably wow. two years. Okay. I even worked there when I first started at CBC because I worked the very early shift at CBC and then I would go to my mall job after that. Oh, um, wow. What a time. When I first started, my little store was across the street. They used to have these huge, because they are designated as a zoo, I think you know that. Yes, yep. So they had these huge glass enclosures with these beautiful flamingos in them. And who knew that flamingos screamed? <laughs> I didn't. I do. What does it sound like? It, it, <laughs> do it. Can you do a flamingo impression? I can't do a flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they were really pissed off being in the in the enclosure, and they I just screamed all day. I can imagine. Was it was so loud. It was up in phase one. Okay. Um, and kind of. Uh, I, th- I have vague recollection then? of this, but I, I just can't yeah. pinpoint it. Well, but and then they had other wild birds in other enclosures. Right. Peacocks at some point, right? Yes. I, I heard about Peacocks the... Peacocks scream, too. I remember that now. Yeah, big, like, it was like a big bird cage. Yeah. Oh, Massive. Jeez, I've forgotten all about so that. So our little store would be there. You could sometimes not even hear the people because the birds, the birds were, were so, so loud. loud. Oh, my God. Wow, you are crazy. an OG, like, phase one. I'm an one. OG in phase like, one. Like, phase one was, like, that's where it all started. And my two roommates did... Uh, communications for the mall and so oh, wow. they could hook us up with the passes to galaxy land oh my gosh and so every day my roommates and i rode on the on the mind bender oh every day we decided we'd try to make a record i don't even before know before crash or after before crash yes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i feel like that would have yeah. changed things that i was no longer was, working yeah. at the mall post crash so yeah thankfully. so front seat mind bender first drop <sighs> no no. <laughs> middle seat. I'm a middle seat girl. Did you ever even try it? No. Oh, man. That's that's an experience. You did the fir- front seat? I did seat? the front seat, oh yeah. <laughs> as an OG mall person, can I, like, what's your feelings in relationship to the mall now? What do you think of it as? I have philosophies about going to the mall. Oh. So never shop on the bottom floor. It's always way too crowded. Yeah. And go in. Pro tip. And get out. Right? Mm, know yeah. what you want. Park near that door on the middle floor mm. because you can always find parking on the middle. Yeah, that's true. Right? Everybody yeah. always parks on the top or the very bottom. Mm. And yeah, just go in and get her done. Yeah, you have to have a plan. Yeah. Or you're just going to, it's yeah. going to become a maze. Do you make a point of going to the mall off or no? No. No. <laughs> 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 
Of course, in 2023, there have been no shortage of things to talk about. From a record-setting wildfire season to the Juno Awards, reimagining rural health care, ADHD, and inclusive education, we've done a lot of talking. It's almost hard to forget that back in May, we had an election. Yeah, 2023 has been about 10 years long so far. Producer Emily Sanger joined me before the election to share some voices of voters and to break down what the heck was going on. I'm finding that a lot of the times no one is really talking about anything. Everything is just polarizing. It's either, you know, I'm saying this to appease whatever group they're supporting, right? So I feel like the actual citizens that are just everyday people that are working are just being left to just fend for themselves, really. If you're going to use what she was saying and try to make it out, as if it was true, when she was trying to bring out a conversation and uh, it wasn't the full context of the conversation, well, to me, that's his honesty. I'm sorry. Don't be dishonest. I want them to tell, like, um, be very genuine with what the words that they say, not um, anything fake or anything like that, just making sure that they are very genuine with their words. You see the attack ads on YouTube and maybe that's not exactly what appeals to you. Lots of division between the UCP and the NDP, obviously catching people's eyes. What have you seen during your reporting on this? Well, during my reporting and just during my day-to-day life, <laughs> existence, yes. um, that that last uh, speaker there mentioned the attack ads. And mm-hmm. I was in my dentist's office this morning getting a cleaning and she has the radio on and it was an NDP. Attack ad or UCP attack ad, they kind of all sound the same in my brain. Ang- I just recognize an attack ad, I think. It's like a subcategory. I'm like, ah, oh, angry radio. Yes. Yes. So they do exist. They're out there. <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, obviously, uh, voters don't like them, but they are effective. So that's why <laughs> otherwise the parties wouldn't be using them, right? Definitely. Um, so we've heard lots of attack ads from both sides, obviously. Um, and when it comes to the parties and what they've been saying, both leaders and parties more generally have really been pushing the idea of leadership and trying to, since both these women, well, Daniel Smith is premier, Rachel Notley has been premier, so they do have a tested record in office. Um, so they're trying to point to the other leader's record and say that the other person is not trustworthy and you can only trust me to lead the party and to lead the province. Um so we really heard that polarization and the issue of trust come out during the leaders debate. Both uh, leaders calling the other leaders record into question and pointing to their what they've done or not done as a leader. Yeah, that debate was interesting to watch because even in in that clip, right, it was very civil. It was quite organized. As someone who is quite politically minded, like was was the debate a standout? Was it exciting or was it kind of boring? Well, I found it interesting, but I, I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Loop has been a podcast from CBC Edmonton, and over the last three and a half years, we have had a number of people from across the newsroom and the city join us. Thank you to all for your time and conversation, but especially thank you to Tara McCarthy, Min Dariwal, Corey Haberstock, Leslie Goldstone, Christina Silva, James Evans, Anne Sullivan, and Stephanie Coons. Our theme music has been Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common, and I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you for spending the last three and a half years listening, if you have. And if you just joined us, please stick around for January 2024. I cannot wait to keep podcasting with you. The Loop has been recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. And you can find old episodes and our next project on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.